different music. This is music from the 20s. This is like jazz, lost generation stuff. Listen to that. Dance in your house to this, or in your car, or on the treadmill, wherever you are. Uh, it's Nate Cordry. It's reading aloud. Uh, we're we're at another book club episode. This is the, I think the sixth or the seventh book club, and uh, I'm so excited about this one because this book is rich. Uh, there's all kinds of things happening in this story, um, but before we get to it, let me introduce you to my panel. They are. Reading aloud book club virgins, but not reading aloud virgins. Um, well, actually, Lindsay Craft is a virgin, but her cherry is about to be broken in two weeks when we uh, when she performs in the next live show. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Uh, Lindsay is uh, a great actor and writer, comedian, <laughs> really you. funny performer. That's nice. You're welcome. Um, and she's going to be doing the next show, which is Sunday. May 10th at 7.30 p.m. at the UCB Theater. The previous show we did was great. We had great readers, uh, Jeffrey Aaron, James Urbaniak, uh, Allison Becker, Mary Grill, Molly Ephraim, Jimmy Simpson, a a fantastic cast. Um, And this next show is is no different, including Lindsay, so thanks for joining us. Susanna Fogel is here. Hi, Susanna. Hi, Nate. Uh, Susanna is a fantastically talented writer. I read a piece of hers in my last show that Faye Wolf read. Uh, Faye Wolf read it. It's a hilarious, really, really funny piece. Uh, what, what was the premise of that of that piece? Um, <clears throat> you don't want to say what the premise was? I want you to describe it because it, it? it came out of your brain. Um, it did. It It is a monologue slash letter from the perspective of an IUD. Right. <laughs> um, you know, offering some judgments about the sexual proclivities of its hosts. Just a one. It's it's so it was so great, and Faye fucking killed it because she really like turned it into a full character. She I thought did. she was she mm-hmm. did so well. She um, really sold the best friend angle for sure. Yeah, yeah, which it, is what I was hoping for. Yeah, there was a little judgment, but it was with a big smile. Yeah, well, as friendships are absolutely you know? <laughs> female friendship. It's a lot of intimacy, right? They right. know you better than you know yourself, yep. inside and out. Yeah, a lot of judgment. Lots of judgment. Um, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being a part of this book club. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mike Still is here. Hi, Mike. Hello. Mike read a really great piece from the New Yorker that Colin Jost Jost. wrote. Yeah, I think he wrote that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Called I Will Slap You, and your performance was fantastic. Thank you. It was, uh, you gave 110%. You were enthusiastic. You were soaked in sweat, mopping your brow. That's true when I'm at like 30% as well. (laughs) Okay. Are you a sweater? I sweat as well. Yeah. (laughs) On stage, you know? Yeah. What about like just outside when it's warm? Um, not you, as much. For something, there's something about being on stage and right talking loud and <laughs> everything just comes out. Do you sweat before you get on stage too or just when you get out just there? Just when I'm out there. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's it. Maybe there's something about the climate specifically of the UCB theater. I think that uh, UCB Franklin is can be a bit balmy. It does get a little damp in there. <laughs> There's new air conditioning coming in, though. No, so let's when announce that? it here first. Yeah, UCBAC. <laughs> when does that arrive? Uh, early May. So Holy shit. Come back, come back to UCB Franklin. Wow. If, if you were scared away because of the balminess. By May, will it be there by May 10th? Uh, in theory. Fantastic. I so hope. What happens if it's got the new AC and you're still sweating. Then well, what? Then it's just really reformented. Then, there, there's, then there's a ghost. Yeah, then there's nothing yeah. we can do. Yeah, there's a sweat ghost. Okay, yeah. Cool. Sweat. we got to get the bo- Ghostbusters to get the sweat ghost out. Mm-hmm. These three have been generous enough to join me today in the book club. Uh, we read Tender is the Night by F. Scott Fitzgerald. We all read that, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd like to focus this discussion on the first 10 pages. Please. Really. <laughs> <laughs> they were great, those 10 they pages. Were great. I really think they encapsulate the essence of the book. Mm-hmm. And it seems like everyone gets along super well. There's tenderness. Oh, it's nighttime. It happens a lot. in the night. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so keeps having fun. Yeah. <laughs> so many smiles. Yeah. And that's how it ends. Yeah. And that's been the book club. Uh, a little background it was written in 1934, it was Fitzgerald's fourth and final novel. Um, he was dead six years later. Um, he died blocks from here, actually. He collapsed at the Pantages Theater. Really? Uh, he was going to see a movie premiere. He collapsed, and he was with his girlfriend at the time. And he said to her, oh, no, they think I'm dead. They just think I'm drunk. And I'm actually not well. They took him home. The next day, the next morning, he was living in West Hollywood somewhere. And he had a heart attack, his second heart attack, and died in West Hollywood at the age of 44. Um, And he wrote this. It's only going to get sadder, folks. He wrote this book outside of Baltimore. Um, He rented like an estate outside of Baltimore after he had his wife Zelda um, sent to an insane asylum. And it's based on a lot of truth in his life. Um, you can say that these two characters, Dick and Nicole, are the two of them, are Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald. But it, it, they also um, compare these two to Gerald and Sarah Murphy, who were these two fancy, wealthy expats who were living in the south of France, who were fabulous and had all kinds of cool friends like Hemingway and Picasso and all these cool jazz age kind of like partiers. And he spent a lot of time with these people after he wrote The Great Gatsby, which was not a success, by the way. Uh, it was after he died. I didn't know that. He made like zero money from the. It sold like 20,000 copies, and that's it. Mm. Which blew my fu- I had no idea. I thought like he was living, he was living off of Zelda's money when they were partying in Europe. I thought those were like dollars he made from Gatsby. Nope. nope they were um, living at Park La Brea. Yeah, which is ter- no. I mean, you can walk to the Grove. Well, Ryan, you can walk to the Grove. Um, there's great lunch options there. Uh, at the Grove or at Park, Park La Brea? Both. If you go into the right apartment. A man <laughs> of, uh, as Wikipedia said, a man of limitless potential marries a beautiful but unstable woman. Uh, his life ultimately spins into despair alcoholism and the end of the marriage. That's basically his experience with his own wife. And w- was that the synopsis of Tender is the Night or just of F. Scott y- yes, Fitzgerald's life? Yes, of Tender is the Night, okay. uh, which is pretty spot on. T- Tommy Barbin, Barbin, Barban? Tommy Bahama. Pa- Tommy Bahama, who ended up opening up a wonderful line of clothing. Yeah, glad uh, you ended up with him. <laughs> <laughs> he was French, and Zelda's boyfriend, his, her like side piece that Fitzgerald never got over, was also a French, handsome French dude. Um, and uh, yeah, that's sort of the background of the book. Hmm. Um, let's start it off, guys. Just general, general thoughts. Just ballpark. What was your take on tenders the night, Mike. Still, I think it's interesting that they said a man of like <coughs> limitless potential, because I didn't, I didn't see that at all in Dick Diver. Mm. There was no, there was no place where Dick Diver, other than the fact that he's like described as like handsome and you know charming and charming, everyone, yeah, like all of his behavior was destructive. Like from the beginning, it was like all I, f- I felt like it was like very destructive. Even when, like, when they cut, go back to the beginning when he was, he had all this promise as a doctor and you wanted to write his 
book and he was going to move and he was he was uh, a Rhodes scholar and he went to I Yale. Guess they did mention that he was a Rhodes scholar. Yeah. I, I, I think that I'd, I'd never really I feel like I didn't actually see any of that. So hmm. like hmm. you know, I I I, I his just shitty, didn't believe it. Yeah. You know? His his broken behavior overwhelmed all the good stuff. Yeah, in your absolutely. Mind. Yeah, absolutely. I was so I feel like his character was established so amazingly that I was on board with him as being this saint. Sure. They always described like when he walked into a room, man or woman like turned and were like drawn to him because he was such a compelling Definitely. figure. So maybe that is like total projection. I mean, hmm. we we were introduced to him through the eyes of like an eighteen year old. Totally. Like, mm-hmm. who's, who's this is like probably the first time that she's gotten to have a little fame and, and get away. And yep. she sees this guy and it's very romantic. And uh, yeah. So, so if we're seeing through those eyes, then yeah, it, it, it's, it's almost like that description was written by someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Did you have I'd... trouble at all with the book? Um, I had trouble starting to read the book. I kept, yep. yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm just like, for whatever reason, I couldn't like get myself starting to read totally. this, the book. I've never read an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel. I was terrified yeah. when Nate one. said, yeah. when he asked me to do this and he said, we're reading this F. Scott Fitzgerald book, I my heart dropped to my toes. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I can't do right, it. Right. And then I went to, to the bookstore and I got the book and I was like looking through it. I'm like, I can't read this. I can't read it. I'm like, yep. I don't, I'm not going to understand it. I'm not going to. And then you were right. like, it's not hard to understand. <laughs> And then I read it, and uh, yeah, it, sometimes I felt like it was it was difficult. Like, Absolutely, <clears throat> it's really dense. It's very dense, and the vocabulary is of a completely different time. There are words that I'd never seen before yeah. that I had to look up. Uh, when when it's written in 1932 or whatever, there's a, just a different language that people are using, yeah. and it, and it's and it's the, the world that they're describing and the shorthand that they're using. I didn't a lot of times I don't know what the fuck they were talking about, and I had to like look up what is this what does this phrase mean? Yeah. What is a vacation? <laughs> what are endless vacations? <laughs> yeah. don't that we don't do pretty that cool life. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Besides the sad, drunk, crazy parts, it's a cool life. Yeah. It sort of reminded. Do you ever have like um, rich friends growing up? Like, did you? Have yes. Like, yep. Yeah, I had like a really. I, my best friend was really wealthy, and they took me on vacations. Oh, whoa! And, awesome. Um, they used to fly first class, and I would fly coach. But I would wait, including your friend. All they would all be first class. First yeah, class. Yeah, and I would not. I and mean, you would be sitting in the right. back of the. Yeah, plane. I would. I, my <laughs> parents refused to for them to you know pay for my flight, and so they would pay for my flight, right. which whatever it was. And your I, folks would. Yeah. Right. Did you carry their bags during the trip and <laughs> yes. refresh oh, their lemonades? Oh, you were a servant. <laughs> I don't think this person was a friend. I don't I think, think it was really were, a vacation as much as you were an indentured slave. You, <laughs> you were a day laborer <laughs> in a pretty location under the no. guise of friendship. <laughs> but they took you to beautiful they, places. Really nice places. And, and so it was like really interesting to, to have that growing up and knowing what that was. And I always kind of felt weird about it when I'd come back to my parents. We never really like talked about the details of the trips because I kind of felt guilty about it. You yeah, know, yeah, it was like right. you were with like, I, I was with like rich people. Right. And we would have rich breakfast with like, you know, $8 orange juices right. and like. That's so funny. Queens yeah. and Shaw's and yeah. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of different rich things. And like my, you know, I'd, I'd be like, oh, this is what, like my vacations were like at Holiday Inns and like I was really excited about that. Yeah, you yeah, know? for Playing sure. Playing the elevator game where you're like running and chasing people oh, that's and hide and seek. What's the elevator game? Oh, it's the most fun ever. Like we used to have like this family used to, we go, used to go away with and we'd stay at the Holiday Inn and it was just like hide and seek. 
in a hotel. So it's like it becomes the elevator game. Because you run it up and yeah, and trying to just, catch them as they come down. Yeah. Do you go in people's rooms like as the door's closing? You just like wedge yourself in there <laughs> and hide there for like <laughs> see a day. what adventures you get up to. <laughs> That's a dangerous game, kids. Don't yeah. play that if you're listening. But this reminded <laughs> me of a lot like, of like eight year olds listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. That's my demographic. Like my parents used to freak out about it because it is elevators are really dangerous, you know. Yes. Like, oh, they're awful. Yeah. Oh my god. They're I awful. would not want to die in an elevator. That's I have a, a lot of dreams about, about that actually. Dying in elevators? Yeah, like elevators going off the cables and yep. you know, smashing me to a, an untimely death. Yeah, uh, a lot ooh. often. Yeah, that's a terrible. <clears throat> but in yeah. like a funny way, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. There's like silly like drums, yeah. like bongo drums. Bum, bum, it's like the whole thing's like ironic, but it's fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you're still dead I'm at still the dead. end. I'm dead. Uh, I'm Suzanne, like dead, quote unquote, dead. Yeah, quote yeah. unquote. Uh, overall, what was your uh, opinion of the book? What did you What did you take from it? Did you enjoy reading it, or was it a fucking slog? I loved it. I awesome. um, I loved it. It's not the first um, time I've read Fitzgerald in a book club. Mm. Um, actually, this Look at this you. is my first time at this book, but um. A, a former book club, we met in the cognac room of the Biltmore and discussed The Side of Paradise, which was fun. Whoa. Yeah. We had wow. like a theme book club. We would like back into what book to read based on where we wanted to eat or drink around LA. Oh, how fun. cool. So, yeah, uh, which was great. And um, did you dress like period? We dressed up. Yeah. We would have like a bonfire, the vanities, like dress up cocktail party. We'd have. That you know, is great. We would eat like Ethiopian food and read an Ethiopian book. You know, it was. Yeah. That's awesome. How fun. Awesome. That's a great that's a great thing. Um, a but when, pe- when people aren't being recorded, they don't read the book. So that sort of devolves into like, yes. like bo- forces you let's get the drunk on like yeah. Italian wine and like talk about beautiful ruins but not really talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I love this book. I mean, a few things that came to mind. One is um, I felt like there was a, a little bit of a conversation between the author and the reader in that you have to read so closely or you miss really important details For like sure. Nicole and her dad's like effed up relationship. Yes. Like that was one sentence. I have yes. it. I have You're it in my exactly notes. Right. And I was like, I whoa, that. I almost I didn't I almost didn't notice You're this totally sentence. Totally right. Because like I was Instagramming and then I was like, oh wait, 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 wait what? <laughs> What happened? <laughs> how much How much did I miss? Do you That's, know what I mean? That yeah. is the difficulty of reading today. There's it's, so yeah. many terrible. fucking distractions. I got to check my email. It, 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 my, is my Twitter exploding? Oh, I, Insta- I got to Instagram this picture of me and my cat reading this yeah. book. I got to Instagram and, this picture of myself reading so that people really know that I really did yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. believe you. And then exactly. I'll just get back to this book later. Yeah, you're like good. on a device that you could do all your work all day on at the same time. Read all your emails. Talk to any family member. Look at pornography. Right. Um, like it, it's all right there. Did you, you all read, read on your. Uh, you wrote I a hard copy. No, I, 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 I had a hard I, copy as well. I, but I read hard. Kindle. But you guys Kindled I, yeah, it. Yeah. Did we read. The, I heard there were two different versions. I heard this from Wikipedia. There were two different versions. There was a later version, a second version that his editor switched I up because like they we found. Read the right one. I think, I think we, we read, read the, Yeah. It yeah, starts, we read the it cool starts one. at the beach, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That it's amazing that he decided this and such an enormous fucking change in the story. He spends, like you said, yeah. One what is that about? Wait, I have it right here. It says, and then all at once we were lovers. Is that Nicole's describe? Yeah. Yeah. The the dad was like, Oh yeah, like my daughter and I were holding hands and hanging out and it almost seemed like we were lovers and then we were. Anyway, (laughs) back to the cognac. I noticed that. I oh really? Yeah. Oh my god. Isn't that dude? You got to get off. You got to just go offline. (laughs) I know that's the only way, right? Wi-Fi off. Terrible. Uh, It's in so many like modern books, they'd spend two chapters leading up to that and then smack you in the face with it. Mm -hmm. And Fitzgerald just uses, like you said, one sentence. How? So what is that? I'm really glad I caught that. But yeah, I read it like because I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Back and I was like, it kind of reminds you know, I, I. 
I hate to like reference Brett Easton Ellis in a Fitzgerald book club, but I will say that like when you read American Psycho and like so much real estate is devoted to like the brand names and like it's it's kind of getting you into that mentality of mm-hmm. like the there's so many hundreds of pages that are about the excess and the dwelling on that minutia is sort of how these people think of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. oh yeah, and they kill people and like fuck their skulls. Oh, can I say that on this yes, you podcast? Can. Okay, cool. Totally. Um oh yeah, and that. But anyway, the Gucci suit that I got, you know, and so in in a sort of proto that way, I felt like this was like these are the things these characters are repressing by vacation yeah. all the time. So the vacations and the the sort of excesses of their life are going to yep. take up most of the real estate. And then there's like moments where they give you really big pieces huge. Of all of a sudden they have kids, you know. But those like, are the reason. Those are the things they think about the least because they're partying their lives away. Anyway, right. what were you I, I was thinking this exact same thing where I was like, oh, I did. I forgot that they had kids. You know, I forgot that they are raising a yeah. family yeah. together. Yep. It didn't matter so much because of the fact, oh, well, we got to go meet this person down here and we're traveling over here. Like traveling with kids, that for me would feel like a big focus because that's what a pain, right? Like right. traveling so with kids. But the kids are with their governess all the time. Yes. You know, there's so little like time and their kids have dumb pretentious names and that's- Topsy something. and Laverne and- Yeah, yeah, I don't know how don't that know. is yeah, a Laverne. thing. Laverne. Laverne <laughs> that, and Shirley. That's what would be in my head. Yeah. yeah. Topsy. L- Lanier, I think. Lanier. Lanier. Yeah. It's kind of a nice name. Lania. But I would love to hear their point of view. The kids? Yeah. I like what mom and dad were like. Like, like think about like <laughs> what I think is yeah. so interesting about the book is that like, you know, you're sort of like you see all the different point of views and like, you know, you don't yeah. think that the that the book is gonna be about Nicole and Dick at all. No. You think it's gonna be about Rosemary. Rosemary, and like, yeah. And then all of a sudden and I was thinking, I kind of oh, yeah, I like this, but it's like it felt like a little bit not like Yes. I felt like I couldn't grasp on. And once I was like, oh, we're going to hear about Nicole and Dick. Oh, 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 it's about Nicole. This is who it's about. I mean, right. It's about, you know. So I just think that's interesting, like, when you see – when there's different point of views. I like that he jumped around as well and he got inside everybody's head. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just one person's point of view about this entire universe. For the first – it wasn't until page 36 that I was on board. It was 35 and a half pages of – beauty and like 13 different people were fucking introduced and yeah, I had to I was, write their names down. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Who's this guy? Is he cool? He's wearing a monocle. That guy's <laughs> raking the sand. She seems sad. <laughs> She's young and swimming. Someone has a mother. I don't know what's yeah. happening. <laughs> and then page 36, they have that moment in the house where they see something in the bathroom and they freak out about it. And they're like, we can't talk about it. No one, ta- you don't, we don't talk about this where Nicole has her sort of first breakdown but it's not revealed what happens it's just one of the characters i forget who says we don't talk about that and that's what leads to the duel in page 40 or something but that's the moment i was like oh there's some darkness here shit's going on it's going to be revealed later okay you're just taking your time scott fitzgerald i'm patient let's get into it this is going to sound like this is going to be dumb but did they reveal precisely what it was or no. was it her just having no. a breakdown they didn't even re- yeah they Kiss- didn't reveal it there at was all maybe uh, kissing one of the guys that got into the duel perhaps or I, I don't have any I, idea it, it's because she has another breakdown in a bathroom um, and then the breakdown at the carnival mm-hmm. um, it comes back later I think in the third book where it's described that she like loses her shit and starts screaming, screaming and laughing and, going nuts. and laughing maniacally right and on the Ferris wheel yeah 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 and they're not able to manage her and McKi- McK- I think McKisco is the the woman who sees it and is about to say something. And then Abe North is like, no, Abe North is such a cool, great character. Totally. Yeah. Uh, um, and he shuts it down. I was like, okay, so it's, there's some weird darkness happening behind the scenes. I'm excited to see what is eventually revealed. Um, I wanted to, where is it? 
Um, yeah, there's a couple things that jumped out at me that um, there's a the description of Rosemary in like the first page um, was so. It, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> It's called reading aloud, so I'm going to read something aloud. Mm -hmm. This is on page one. However, one's eye moved on quickly to her daughter, who had magic in her pink palms, and her cheeks lit to a lovely flame like the thrilling flush of children after their cold baths in the evening. Her fine forehead sloped gently up to where her hair, bordering it like an arm armorial shield, burst into love locks and waves and curly cues of ash blonde and gold. Her eyes were bright, big, clear, wet, and shining. The color of her cheeks was real, breaking close to the surface from the strong, young pump of her heart. Her body hovered delicately on the last edge of childhood. She was almost 18, nearly complete, but the dew was still on her. I mean, how fucking <laughs> beautiful is that? That's when I, okay, within a page, I was like, oh, this guy knows how to write descriptive <laughs> things. Um, I, I had another little, oh, where is it? The, um, oh, also, uh, this is completely random, but I, I just have to say the single greatest, in my opinion, name in the history of literature is in this book. I don't know if you guys. Um, <laughs> you mean greater than Dick Diver? Dick Diver. That's a pretty, a pretty good name. one. Dick Diver sets the bar yeah. pretty high. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. It's very specific. Richard Diver. But on page seventy-nine, they're talking about someone, and there's a guy whose name is George T. Horse Protection. Oh, yeah. oh which yeah. is I. You can't. I thought what, that was a joke. Was it a joke? I. I don't think so. I think that's a real. Later, Rosemary in the North in a manufacturer of dolls' voices from Newark. An Indian named. And ubiquitous Collis and a big, splendidly dressed oil Indian named George T. Horse Protection were riding along on top of thousands of carrots in a market wagon. That's when she was like out partying and they were like coming home and she was, and Collis wanted to come up and she's like, no, don't come up. You'll knock all the carrots down. George T. If you had ten comedy writers in a room to come up with silly names, and Seth Morris was in that room, who has, who's really good at coming up with silly names, no one would have come up with no. George T. Horse no. Protection. It's insane. It's a great name. We're going to take a very, very short break, and we'll be back with more of Tender as a Night. Friends, spring training is underway, and that can only mean one thing. Baseball season is almost here, and there's never been a better time to check out DraftKings.com. It's America's favorite daily fantasy baseball site where you can win huge cash prizes every day. Um, instant cash right now. Instant gratification. It's like a new season. Every time you play, you can you can change your players, and you can be on your way to a massive payday. So hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code READ to play for free. Aw, oh, shit. In the $100,000 fantasy baseball contest on opening day, first place takes home $10,000. So use promo code READ, free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Reading Aloud. It's a book club episode. Lindsey Kraft, Susanna Fogel, and Mike Stiller here. My name is Nate Cordry. Sam Kiefer is our engineer. Hi, Sam. Hey, guys. Uh, we're going to dig into some themes, mm -hmm. shall we? Um, Love themes. First of all, don't date your therapist. Uh, don't marry your therapist. Don't, don't do it. If you're a doctor 
and you have a broken patient, even though she is beautiful, move on, find a more reasonable partner. But what if you're going to die together? Then, then date your therapist, no? What do you mean die together? Like, what if that's the person? I wouldn't do What it. if your person is your therapist? Is what Lindsay said. Yeah. So I don't Wouldn't there be too much like be radio therapist? interference to like know for sure? Yeah, exactly. It's just like too we, we got too many signals coming in here. I can't yes. isolate whether or not it's pure or if it's like I'm you know, paying this person to like listen to me. Right. right. You know? Right. Or Yeah, what's real? But really what's what is real? the marital contract but that? Yeah, that is true. Then just right. to listen, to have yeah. someone to listen like, to. We're doing this so that you can basically be my therapist with yeah. benefits. That's ultimately therapist what it, what it, what it <laughs> is. What it is in the end. My therapist with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool therapy. That's maybe that's the future. Totally. Therapists who also service. I hope my therapist isn't listening to this podcast. No, hopefully not. <laughs> oh. She's a um, lovely woman. Did a but. podcast. Well, listen. Oh my god. You know what's really frustrating for me was we talked a little bit about the the one sentence reveal that Nicole's. Uh, father mm-hmm. raped her, basically, and they were lovers. Um, that that well, there she, was she wanted it. Yeah, oh, Susanna, there was consent. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> um, that you can't invite a bunch of comedy writers into a room and expect yes, to I not can. get some rape jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> fair enough. Unrealistic expectation. Fair enough. Um, that he starts to die. And there's this like, oh well, Dick finds out, and then he's like, I gotta, I'm gonna tell. Uh, is this coming as a yeah, surprise to you? No, no, I agree. Like, and it was, it was so infuriating. It was like he's gonna die. This is gonna be a great scene when Nicole gets to fucking confront her dying father, right. and they can have this catharsis. And then he just gets well, gets some money, and leaves the hospital. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Why was that in there? It was like didn't really want to see what would happen. I guess that was really. <laughs> That was really frustrating to me. And it also frustrated. Um, we had some great emails uh, come in from listeners. Um, uh, which one? Yes, Rob uh, said, What do you make of the fact that we're denied the possible catharsis of the child abuser dad's death scene? What? He just gets up, drops some cash, and walks away? Infuriating. Rob, I completely agree. Well, what do you think about that? It seemed like the, the only time that any of our heroes were like confronted, except till the end when there was kind of – uh, uh, the confrontation uh, uh, with Nicole and Dick was the only time that their really bad behavior was called out yeah. was by people that we could just, you know, like be like, ah, that's just a patient's dad who's, you know, probably upset because his son's, you know, right, dealing right, right. with kleptomania or whatever. Right. Oh, that's Ugh. just uh, this, you know, another patient's. It was just people that we could, from our perspective, right uh, sort of like write off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, maybe they were correct all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Maybe. all these people were just avoiding their their major issues. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I wonder how much of that is... Do you think Fitzgerald put that in there, like, after you read it, that you would have that conversation with yourself? Like, maybe the people who were being seen as the outsiders were really ones who were in the right. Just by being able to, like, comment on, like, all of these these lifestyles and, and you know, the fact that this guy was drunk. Yeah, as he was, he hit a people. cop. You can't hit a yeah. cop, can't whether you're, whether yeah. you're in Italy or not, or Spain, where mm-hmm. the fuck they were. You can't punch a policeman. I, but you know, I think that Nicole is a good example of a character who you're kind of because, especially since the book starts from Rosemary's perspective, you're kind of not on board with Nicole at first. You're like, yes. oh, you're this like frigid rich woman, yeah, yeah. And poor Dick. Like he's, you know, it's like that Mad Men thing where you're like, oh, yeah. this is the Betty Draper. Oh, and then. You start to sort of really get her. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this is – I no longer care about this like young 
dewy child who's mm-hmm. got this like infatuation with Dick. I actually want to mm-hmm. get into the pathos of this Nicole character and yeah. her deep pain. And it takes a while because at first you're sort of introduced to the idea that Nicole's nuts. And then you still aren't on board with her. First, she's the first she's like the wife that Rosemary wants to get out of the way. Mm-hmm, then right. she's like the but crazy, admires right. Then yep. there's the crazy patient who like has this transference problem with her doctor, which is nuts. And then after a while, you're like, okay, but like, it's sketchy that the doctor is going for that. Uh, yeah, you know. And then you're like, you start to he starts to sort of lose credibility as a narrator. You know, not the narrator, but he loses yeah. credibility as someone that you're on board with. Mm-hmm. And then. I started to really root for Nicole and see her sort of progression through her 20s and figuring out what she wants and what's going to make her happy as like this sort of feminist quest. Like even that the time in which it took place, it's like, I don't know, there were a lot of sort of um, like subtly feminist moments here. And she's a perfect example. Like she just is a person who you kind of. You disregard in the ways that people were men were disregarding women at the time. Yeah, you know? right. There's the moment where like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this this patient is saying that you kissed like fell in love with my daughter, and he's then just like that's ridiculous. And then afterwards, he's reflecting. He's like, he's like kissed her I? once. Yeah, yeah. And then exactly. she was obsessed yeah. with it, but I didn't want anything to happen. And then you're like, oh, he's like, like yeah, yeah, I love her. I love, and yeah, yeah. And you realize like, oh, Dick's patterns are just like they might be glamorous patterns, but they're still shitty Terrible. patterns. So and shitty. Cole's like it, totally uh, uh, in the right. Yeah, I feel like it, it's, a, you know, it brings up the theme of like a man, everyone understanding that men need to have other women in their lives, even though yeah. they're married. And like, it's always just kind of understood that men are going to kind of go off and do stuff. But she felt the same way. Like, she, I think when you're with someone for a long time, like both men and women, you know, have those desires. And then all of a sudden when Nicole realizes that she's going to follow, th- she's like, wait, I feel like this. I, you know, I'm going to pursue this man. Right. And, but it takes her the whole book to get there kind of, you know, right. where he just yeah. kind of, it's just assumed that it's okay for him to, you know, have Rosemary and it just feels like it's, oh, that's normal. Yeah. But she does get there, which is great. Yeah. And, and she also went like, quote unquote, wins in the end because mm-hmm. the last page and a half, he's he's moves from smaller town to smaller town to smaller town, basically disappears. In America. She, which it, yeah. Kind of, you know, it's like we've been like vacationing in glamorous European exactly. locales and they're like, then he was in upstate New York. He's in fucking Oswego. He had some fucking, you, you know, know. Like as though that's the worst fate. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Upstate New York by a lake. And she, and he never sees the kids anymore. The kids mm-hmm. don't come over from Europe. The letters become less frequent. And- He gets some malpractice suits. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He had some issue with a young, with a, a girl who worked at a grocery store or something that he got into some issue. He got thrown yeah. out of that town. Yeah. And he ends up, and it's so interesting because if he is Fitzgerald and Nicola Zelda, I mean, this Fitzgerald is writing this book. He's saying- is he saying like I've I'm the fuck up here? My crazy wife isn't the crazy one. I'm a disappointment. I'm a wretch. I'm a drunk. I you know because he had issues with confidence all his yeah. life. Well, it and certainly he, sounds like that from your story about his death too. Like he sort yeah. of was like yeah everyone sees me as a fucked up drunk and oh I'm just gonna quietly yeah. die. You know yeah. what I mean? No one yeah. will care. You and know or whatever. Brings yeah. a whole different perspective. They they published this what in like three parts I think right? Like it was yeah. serialized. So it makes you wonder if that first part. If that what what was was he in like a, a happy phase of his mm. life, a non depressed phase of his life, mm-hmm. and then he started becoming more 
judgmental. I wonder how much the overall narrative was like plotted out beforehand. Mm. And how much it just paralleled what was going on in his own like self-image in his life. Or was he setting it up? Did he know exactly where it was going to end up? And he was like, I'm going to start this with this guy's going to be on top and everyone's going to run to him and be charmed and then I'm going to fucking crash him against the rocks and shatter everything. Yeah, It's funny that you mentioned... uh, Mad Men, because uh, Ashley wrote in saying, while I am only partway through the second season, I found Dick and Nicole's marriage strikingly similar to that of Betty and Don Draper in Mad Men. <laughs> I found myself comparing Dick and Nicole to Betty and Don throughout most of the second and third books. Um, well, I don't want to spoil this for her, but his real name <laughs> is Dick. <laughs> so it's all coming together. Dick yeah. Diver Whitman. Yeah, Dick uh, Diver Whitman. <laughs> um there was also, I wanted to um, bring up just um, the idea. I talked to this, my next podcast next week, uh, Keith Law is going to be my guest too. If you're a baseball fan, you know who Keith Law is. He's a senior writer for ESPN and he's a really brilliant guy and very well read. And, he, and I told him that I was doing Tenors of the Night for the book club. And he said, it's the single, in his example, in his experience, it's the best book in modern literature about mental illness. And so it made me think about other books from the like 21st century or 20th century about mental illness and what other books like were as compelling. And I couldn't think of many. I thought of like Revolutionary Road. Um, I also haven't read a, a ton of great books. So I, but this is the first time that I saw like a, a book written in a specific period that dealt so honestly with such a scary topic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the time, this was probably like, I'm assuming he broke some rules. Like this was very unusual that this kind of, cause this stuff existed, but no one spoke about it. Right. When someone was crazy or soft in the family, they were just put away and you didn't speak about them. Um, the fact that he devoted an entire novel to madness, schizophrenia, and mental illness, I think is, was huge at the time. I don't know. I, I, I could look, I should dig into like and, reviews from that time and see I think it was said. a very progressive so their their clinic was really progressive as well it was yeah, like right. more of like a, I don't know like the Kellogg clinic or whatever yeah. where where it was it was much more of a uh, the idea that this if, if you have mental illness you don't need to be in like this giant hawking sanitarium it's like let's just give you you know be away from everything like let's have be at peace a bit and it's it's, a, it's not a bad way of looking at it, you know. Maybe as valid as like some of the medical, you know, medication stuff we do now. Like, let's just let this person go and relax for a bit. Right, yeah. right. I, you know, I really like the idea that it's just in terms of like assessing Fitzgerald's relationship to Zelda through the book. Like, I I feel like because the book really does redeem and then really humanize Nicole and mm. make the argument that she's no worse off. I mean, she's no worse than Dick is, mm-hmm. and ultimately, like. At first, you know, in the description you read before, it's like man falls in love with crazy woman, like or whatever you said initially, like when man falls in love with mentally ill woman. But at the end of the day, like he is giving her um, not a well, a comeuppance, I guess, but also she's really redeemed at the end. And in a way, it's sort of like a little bit of a love letter to someone who, despite their mental illness, is like a viable person who deserves happiness, Mm -hmm. even though she didn't get closure with her dad, which, by the way, was it Rob who said that? Who is the person who? Yes, Rob. Yeah. I just want to say one thing. I don't want to derail us, but I, I think that that I, I liked that she got no closure because I feel like we we have this expectation. It's like when you listen to a piece of music and you just want it to rest. Like you don't want to sort of be left hanging. Mm. And I think it's interesting because it keeps the reader kind of he's Off to bound. me. It's making the point. Yeah, like I'm not going to give you this closure. Like in life, you don't always have closure. Sometimes you right. need, you need to tell 
someone in your life like, hey, you really hurt me and then they die. Or you, yeah. know, you don't always get that. That's a great so point. I like that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. But what if she, you know, if mental illness is, you know, something that you're born with, like, I just wonder, did, you know, her father sleeping with her make her, like, did it just, like, accentuate her mental illness? Or yeah, did it right. cause it? Right. What's like the that? nature and nurture of mental illness, yeah. basically? Yeah. I mean, because she doesn't, the only thing that she seems affected by in terms of, like, who she is as a character is, like, that she's, it doesn't seem like she's ever kind of going back to that, like, that that happened. Mm. It doesn't seem like. I know for for a lot of people, like, friends of mine who have had struggles with this, it comes, it, uh, especially schizophrenia, it doesn't develop sometimes until you're in, like, 26, 27, 28, mm-hmm. and then it clicks on. Um, it's sort of a delayed response as opposed to other mental illnesses that you negotiate when you come out of the womb. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I don't know as much about it, but I know like different maladies have different sort of, um, I don't know. uh, Like causes, you know. Yeah, yeah, triggers or whatever. This is like, I'll be pretentious for a second. I think there's a term called like range of adaptability, I think, in, in uh, mm. this could be completely wrong. It's uh, not the most pretentious thing that's being said here. It's not the most pretentious <laughs> no, no. Rainy, I guess, is the word. Or, or like, uh, uh, like we're, 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 you know, genes will only turn on or off or, or be activated if, if right. you know, certain things happen. And, yeah. And, and they think that could be a big factor in mental illness that we like don't quite know about. The, yeah. The idea of like um, recent that like depression might be caused by like inflammation, like literally brain infl- inflammation, which mm. is something that we hadn't really like looked at it. At. We, we've, you know, we really separate mind and body. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's, she's still, even though she has, you know, schizophrenia, she's still dealing with like the same issues that everyone else is dealing with. Like it didn't seem like it was like the, at the forefront of, of what's happening. You know, like right. she, yeah. was, she was just mad, like she was mad at like anyone else would be that he has eyes for other women. Right. And that, um, that there's just this one. So like, you know, towards the end when he, when she's falling for that other guy, like, and cause I really feel like Dick Diver and Nicole, like have this really like amazing love affair. I don't feel like, did you guys feel like that or no? I didn't personally. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought no, yeah. you mean it was like of a special time and place, but I feel like they both kind of outgrew it or she outgrew it. But at, at one time it was like It was that. really special. Yeah. And he, he says to, to, um, Tommy, is that his name? The one yeah. that comes at the end? Um, you'd be new to each other. Yeah. That and final. Just, oh, right. Yeah. That scene at the cafe was fucking heartbreaking. Oof, yeah. Cause he, Dick gets up, like they have, they say four sentences to each other and Dick's like, all right. We'll settle this later. I'll talk to her. And he just gets up and leaves. Like, just abandons the marriage there. Yeah. And she's right. like, we both know that this is over. This has been over. I don't know if, if it's Nicole or Tommy who says this. They, they're both very vocal. And he just acknowledges it defeat. And, get, yeah. and gets up and walks away. But I just think that's so interesting that it's like, it's so true. It's like, you don't know, like, you don't know what someone's going to be like in the long run, but you know that you're new to each other and you have so much to learn about each other. Right, yeah. So, and they could just end up the same way as Dick and Nicole did. Yeah. yeah. Or with their own version of that, yeah. Yeah. And it did, yeah, it seemed like Nicole, like uh, in terms of like her, like seeing her schizophrenia, it seemed like we didn't, it, it was more about their relationship. It wasn't about like, oh, she's having this episode. We, I mean, literally like what's off camera. What is this, a book? It's off yeah, page. Yeah. So, um, uh, it, it, it was almost like 
it seemed to me that that because of the fact that there weren't like these blowups and it was maybe she was becoming like well adjusted is that what made dick like not less interested mm. or, like, yeah maybe right 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 oh. like a, like in the sort of like men like crazy women thing. right exactly yeah and sort of yeah. like oh be got to be a fixer and it's like well she seems to be reasonably doing fine doing fine there's That's this interesting yeah when when uh when she was still at the institution and they like went for a walk and he was slowly falling in love with her um she says, uh, it, occurred, it, it occurred to Dick suddenly, as it might occur to a dying man, that he had forgotten to tell where his will was, that Nicole had been re-educated by Dommler and the ghostly generations behind him. It occurred to him also that there would be so much she would have to be told. But having recorded this wisdom within himself, he yielded to the insistent face value of the situation and said... You're a nice person. Mm -hmm. Just keep using your own judgment about yourself, which is sort of like what my therapist uh, used to say, like self-care. Like you, you can take your, your own, you have this. You just need to realize that you have the ability to fucking take care of yourself. Right. Just trust yourself and you'll be okay. And it was such a beautiful, just like a simple thing that he said. I just was really moved by that little passage that he just said, you're, you're enough. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you'll be okay. I had a few. I made a few notes that sort of um, were uh, like along those lines too. Yeah, Just, uh, I noticed moments that um, they talked about women and specifically Nicole's perspective on her comfort zone at the beginning of the book being, and women's comfort zone in general. The argument he makes being th that it's her comfort zone is being told what to think and do, and then yeah. and I liked I liked that he said you know um, let me see where this is. Yeah, basically that like women sort of need that kind of direction. But then as, as the book went on, there were sentences in there like, you know, the peril of that is that other people will think – if you don't think for yourself, others are going to think for you and impose mm -hmm. that. And, and it was sort of presented as like that's not a healthy way to become. Mm -hmm. and, like we mm -hmm. saw Nicole go from A to B there. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I yeah. liked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah you saw it, her grow. And yeah. it, even in like her falling in love with Tommy – it was less about like her falling in love and more like he, she was no longer under the sphere of influence of Dick. Yeah, yeah, right. falling out of love with him, if anything. Like right. Tommy was just Tommy Bahama, like gives a shit about Tommy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely was wearing a, like a, like a <laughs> super loud shirt. shirt. Absolutely. There was something he like lives a life of leisure, so it's kind of perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's definitely a parrot head. On page uh, 207, there was a really great sentence that was just casually thrown in there oh, that I, I think, know exactly what it is. I think I'll, this is the sentence that, <laughs> one of the sentences that I will take with me. Um, At first, he thought nothing. She was young and magnetic, but so was Topsy. He guessed, this is uh, Dick talking about Rosemary when he sees her again, which is such a fucking great scene. He guessed that she had had lovers and had loved them in the last four years. Well, you never knew exactly how much space you occupied in people's lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. Bang. And that's fucking, yeah. I mm -hmm. had to put the book down for a second. And I just mm -hmm. jogged through every like significant ex-girlfriend in my life. And I was like, hmm, how much space do I take oh, up? Absolutely. Probably less than I assume yeah. I take oh, up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Like boy. six months after a breakup, you're like, oh, they still think about me. And then yep. like 10 years later, they have kids. They're like, I probably... Probably don't think about yeah. me that yeah. much. Yeah, that's yeah. when I got out the gin and poured myself three fingers and yeah. finished the book mm. half drunk. Or just even while in the night. you're, <laughs> yeah. or while you're in a relationship, mm -hmm. you know, or yeah. or not relationship. You're like, Anytime. I think about this person a lot. Like they take up a lot of real estate in my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wonder if they're having, and it's yeah. so much of what like you create in your mind. Like, of course, it's so crazy. And it's sometimes when you realize how little space you might take up in someone else's <laughs> mind that you're like, oh. 
this person's not that into me. It's right. okay to like get out of this because like that, I'm not really registering right now. Yeah. So that's <laughs> right. fine. Don't yeah. need to register, but you know. Another little choice uh, phrase that my therapist uh, said to me like four years ago, he said, it's none of your business what people think oh. about you. Oh, yeah, Do you like have that. the same therapist as a friend of mine who's constantly saying that her therapist says Probably. It's none of your business? We'll talk about this. Side, <laughs> <Okay>. Sidebar later. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It, was, it actually really annoyed me because I would go to her for advice about like my love life. Uh, and I'd say, well, what does he think? And she's like, none of your business. <laughs> and I'm like, and, but if you had to guess what this four-line email meant, what would you say that you thought that it meant? If it were my, yeah. Hypothetically, it were my business. If, what if, would we if do? My business is why this person used a colon instead of a semicolon in their email. Yeah, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. What, does he love me on. or not? Yeah. Like, why can't you just engage? There was a great um, passage uh, in page 201 when he was remembering, like, Nicole talking to, describing to Dick about how he felt about her. And... Uh, she said, think, think how you love me, she whispered. I don't ask you to love me always like this, but I ask you to remember somewhere inside me there will always be the person I am tonight. Basically just giving up there. Like I know your love and our love is going to change and become different and lose its value, but just remember how you feel tonight. Don't forget that moment. I'll, I'll, that, somewhere deep down I'll always have that. And I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. And, and poetic. Also, when they were like, when Rosemary, when Dick and Rosemary first like kissed and they were falling in love. That was were, great. Fuck, man. It was so, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. They're walking up the stairs and like they're kissing. And as they're getting higher and higher, they stop. They're getting more and more careful because they're getting closer to mm-hmm. the floor that they're staying on. And he describes them like holding each other's kind hand and then, and then finally letting go of their hands. And it was just. And they're, they're oh. every time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Let's take a very short break. I'm going to scream some more. We'll be right back. Everybody, slather some cream cheese all over your DiGiorno pizza and get ready to get whomped because everybody's favorite intern, Marissa Wampler, played by Jessica Sinclair, is throwing on the cans for her brand new school project podcast, Womp It Up, her teacher, mentor, Co-host, former sniper Charlotte Listler, played by the also brilliant Lennon Parham, will be there to DJ and divvy out the love advice, plus many, many special guest stars. This is a fantastic new podcast. Womp it up. You have to check it out. To get a front row seat to the madness of the Marina Del Rey lifestyle, it's on Mondays on Earwolf. Womp it up! There's so much. We're back. Uh, we're doing a book club today. It's F. Scott Fitzgerald's Tenders the Night. Susanna Vogel and Lindsay Craft and Mike Stiller here. We're sitting in a room and we're talking about this book. And we just mentioned during the break that there's so much to get to. We need like another three hours to fully um, dig in and explore this novel from start to finish. Um, what jumped out at you? What, what haven't we covered, Lindsay, that you wanted to uh, um, that you wanted to cover? Because there is so much. You're right. I have a long list of things that I'm barely checking. There's off. so much. Um... Oh, I, I can maybe just say some quotes that I liked. Yeah, yeah, please, please. This one sticks out. It's hard to go on liking people who don't like you. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> who said that? I don't remember. Could not disagree more. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, I wish it were hard to go on like that. <laughs> um, and he has I'll, a lot of those little gems. <laughs> just like, oh, um, oh, I'm just a whole lot of different simple people when she talks about how, mm, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. uh, hold on. All, all people want is to have a good time, and if you make them unhappy, you cut yourself off from nourishment. 
I always feel like at the end of the day, we're just trying to like, we're just trying to, we're all just trying to get by. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, yeah, we're trying to have a good time to cover up the darkness, like we, like you mentioned, Susanna, like all this shit is repressed. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna booze and party and fucking cover it all up, but oh. we, we need that to function. There was someone. Someone said. There are those who can drink and then those who cannot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can't drink, right? I like that. that, about that. I mean, that's like just AA 101. Right. right? Yeah. He um, learns to drink. Boy, I tell you what, that I thought it was really like subtle but super effective look at alcoholism. Yeah. Because it wasn't like in our faces until you're like, wait a minute. They're all drinking all the time. Yeah. And people are constantly getting into trouble because of their drinking. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, there's definitely alcoholism going on here. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Yeah, it's Fitzgerald was very much aware of his of his problem, yeah. for sure. He said, they said, I read online that he was, towards the end, he was drinking 30 beers a day. 30 wow. beers. Which is a lot. I'd say, Which yeah. is too many. A cube. A beer. I yeah. Think a term. <laughs> yeah, that's a full cube. Let's cube of beer. Um, the uh, I wanted to read like a brief a little paragraph on page one ninety uh, when they're at the carnival mm. and she has this breakdown, which is so fucking sad. And he leaves the children. She just bolts because she's pissed, obviously, that he's hooked up with the daughter of a patient or whoever that girl was, right. the woman who wrote a letter. Yeah. And she's pissed off, so she loses it. They're at a carnival. She bolts. He leaves the kids with a gypsy and then goes and finds her. And he says, I left the children with a gypsy woman in a booth. We ought to get them. Who do you think you are, she demanded, Svengali? Fifteen minutes ago, they had been a family. Now, as she was crushed into a corner by his unwilling shoulder, he saw them all, child and man, as a perilous accident. We're going home. Home, she roared in a voice so abandoned that its louder tones wavered and cracked. And sit and think that we're all rotting and the children's ashes are rotting in every box I open, that filth. Almost with relief, he saw that her words sterilized her. And Nicole, sensitized down to the corium of the skin, saw the withdrawal in his face. Her own face softened and she begged, help me, help me, Dick. And I got fucking, I got chills when I read that. Like to see her go, ah, and then realize, oh God, I'm so unwell. Please fucking help me. Mm -hmm. And I love that that happened in a span of 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. I want to see the actress, like, I want to see that part of the movie where you see her go from a hundred down to just a broken child saying, I, please help me. I can't figure this out myself. Mm -hmm. And that was so, like that moment of mental illness, like that description was really moving to me. I just like that. That's another thing that'll stick in my brain from this book was her vulnerability. It's one of the few moments of vulnerability in this book where she reveals it to Dick at least, saying like, I need, I need so much help. And she was literally like, in a Ferris wheel, right? Yeah. Yes, before. right oh, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Laughing and. Around. Yeah. And it, oh, sorry. And, uh, oh, it's no coincidence that like the, that for the first portion of the book is about an actress. I feel like an, an actress oh, totally. kind of symbolizes like a crazy person. Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. say that, but that's kind of what, I mean, he obviously like, I think most actresses, you know, have a, a crazy gene. There's a description sort of, too of like- I've that. <laughs> no, I've, I've never seen it. There's a description, I think, um, yeah, like really early on when she's 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 18 or 17, how old Rosemary is in the beginning, but she re- she, it's the first time that she's around these sort of older, educated, classy people. She looked in turn at the three men, temporarily expropriating, expropriating, 
expropriating them. All three were personable in different ways. All were of a special gentleness that she felt was part of their lives, past and future, not circumstanced by events, not at all at the company manners of actors. And she detected also a far-reaching delicacy that was different from the rough and ready good fellowship of directors who represented the intellectuals in her life. (laughs) Actors and directors, those were the only men she had ever known. Those in the heterogeneous, indistinguishable mass of college boys interested only in love at first sight whom she had met at the Yale prom last fall. I wondered, like, as the two ladies in the group, if there was, do you have, like, a memory or is there a moment in your life when something changed and you all of a sudden you were surrounded by a different type of guys? Like, it was a different, you were just a different stratus you were floating in. You sort of had this realization um, where, I'm, wa- I'm oh, waiting. Are you telling me that's that's going to happen for me? Today <laughs> is the okay. day. All right, cool. No, uh, I, 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 I got to go. I got to go. No, hang get, get out. Ready for that. Uh, um, <laughs> that's never happened. Well, okay. Do you want to? No, you go first. No, you. Um, I feel like the first time I realized that was when I moved. I mean, when I was lived in New York, I, I wasn't really friends with actors and writers. I, uh-huh. that, I mean, my friends were my friends from high school who still lived in New York. And then when I moved out here um, – I was still dating the same guy and at the time. And then all of a sudden, like, started going out for pilots and I started meeting, like, writers and sort of going to, like, different parties. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, there's so many, like... There's a whole other world There's there. a whole other world. Like, mm-hmm. there's interesting, like, interesting... Yeah, things- like, I think once you meet writers, then all of a sudden things start to change. It's very strange. That's how <laughs> I felt. Like, I was like, how have I deprived myself of this, like, my... <laughs> Deprived. <laughs> I Get writing, like, fellas. I felt deprived. I don't know, because yeah. there's something interesting. I, you know, I just never met writers mm-hmm. when I was yeah. younger. Yeah. Did you have any experience like that, like when you get to college or after college, where you were like, oh, this is, I've been I've been hanging out with boys. Now maybe I'm hanging out with people who are a little, you I know. didn't have the pleasure of hanging out with enough boys in my youth and adolescence. Mm-hmm. I was hanging out with, you know myself and my friends. But um <laughs> um yeah, I mean I think I think that I had always imagined a type of guy that I would eventually meet. I mean, right. And that person I had a very specific, almost cinematic idea of what that person would be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and for me the interesting turning point was like when I did start meeting people who sort of fit the profile and then found that that was not really what I wanted. Right. Which right. is something that I think happens to a lot of people when they have their like formative relationships, but For sure. I had like a very specific idea, almost like a slideshow in my mind of like what my like ideal guy yeah. would be. Yeah. And it, you know, I would sort of seek the people who fit that profile in the most basic on paper level. Mm-hmm. I think we probably all do this as we sure. like get closer to like what, finding what we want. But, and then I, I do remember feeling like when I went to college, which I, I went to college in New York and there were lots of like intellectuals around and everybody kind of fit this image and I think I'd really idealized a type of like highly intellectual and ultimately like pretty narcissistic not that friendly person who was just going to be able to teach me things totally and whatever and yep. we we're going to like go in our like 1988 Saab 900 up to Vermont for the weekend and read the New Yorker this is like <laughs> yeah you just could, wanted to I date could, like a cool professor I could go on yeah, I wanted right. to date a cool professor yeah uh, and then the people that actually attempted to like date or befriend that were like that like I was not yeah. their type because mm-hmm. I was not up on the references and I was like, right. can we just hang out and talk about like 
fucking fun stuff. We decided to go up to Vermont. We're going up to Vermont. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like, oh, I actually think that you're kind of like a little bit controlling and like narcissistic. And your letters to me read more like they could just be kind of like blog entries for you. Like they're not really about me at all. (laughs) Just practicing. You reference Baudelaire a lot and like that's kind of cool. But ultimately, like you could send this to like, you could BCC a list of people for this. It's not really about me. (laughs) I feel like I never, like I was the complete opposite. Like I never thought about like, ooh, what do I want? Like I, that never occurred to me. Well, I mean, both my parents are shrinks, so you kind of grow up uh, asking yourself that, like every I never day asked... from age six on. But yeah, <laughs> I would just like find like there was. I would just have a, obsession to obsession to obsession. That was like my whole life. Yeah, well, I had that too. I mean, I before guys, there were there was an obsession with horses too. Right. I mean, not you know. No, but no, not, not, not in like a Catherine the Great way. Just in like yeah. a, you know, like when I was in third grade. I mean, I was <laughs> I was like in love with this boy who was not in love with me, and like it con- that same thing continued like throughout my whole life of just like, and so there was never any time to like wonder and be like, oh, I want this, I want this, because there was always someone a that I couldn't have. Person. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, like a projection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You notice that it seemed like Rosemary was like less interested in Dick as she got older. Yeah. And, and, and I, say, lo- I love is, that. And yeah. it's right away yeah. of just like, oh, Dick, you were the first person I ever loved. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 now. Yeah. 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 And I'm even at 24. So <laughs> yeah. 24, she was Nicole's like 29. over Oof. it. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Old. A woman of 29. Oh, God. you guys remember the part where I was like sort of cringing as I read this as I'm older than 29? Um, it was like, oh, she wondered how much longer oh, she'd yeah. have this figure Six before it became oh like God, squat I wanted to cry and when I ever... lumpy and et cetera. Yeah. Like she went on and on and then it was like, oh, five years. And I was like, I'm more than five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then also, it was, uh, you know, what when Rosemary's um, mother told her that Nicole was more beautiful than her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was so interesting because here is this, you know, I I just think it's interesting to to hear those, like, you sort of, like, know, like, where you're at in terms of, like, beauty growing up based on, like, people telling you. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Totally. No, my mom used to say, like, she had some euphemism for, like, you're Jewish and the other girls aren't. What was it? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I went to all-girls school in New England. Like, the girls are, like, a certain – I mean, you know, Nate, you, like, grew up with these people. Sure. But, like, yeah. my mom was like, yeah, like, they're just – they're, like, all-American and, like, you're, yeah, like, exotic. Or, like, you know what I mean? Exotic, I mean, exotic, or, like, something. Yeah, right. I'm like, That's yeah, exotic the, from, yeah. like – they're like, she's a little and, like, too Latvia. exotic. I'm like, you mean she's too Jewish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too right. Jewish. Okay. Right. Why don't we just be clear? <laughs> but, you know, one thing I was going to say is um, in terms of just like the Rosemary sort of like identifying her, like, like I did kind of, I don't know. I liked that she sort of lo- Dick, like, lost his luster through like a sane, slightly older woman's perspective. He yeah. just <laughs> seems like a sad drunk yeah, yeah absolutely you know? and totally that that is only where he's at because he had the money the resources to not be in jail multiple times to not be arrested to not be you right. know in a, in a french jail or a, right i guess then later in an italian jail yeah like uh, uh he was just kind of like this sad drunk that was like at the holiday you know on vacation just like hey how are you remember when we kissed a bunch right yeah. <laughs> i found like, it oh. to be really and after a while too i think like the monotony of the like the interchangeability of these exotic trips, like nothing yeah. seemed like a set, like yeah. it, it, just to use movie language, like nothing was a set piece because everything was a set piece. Right, mm-hmm. it was all the and same. And I was just like, I found yep. it boring. And then I sort of it had to, I don't know. It reminded me of like the the malaise of the rich, like when you read about like this celebrity or that celebrity, like constantly shopping and like being on rodeo shopping and on going on vacations, and like uh-huh. that seems really boring. Yeah, actually. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it seems terrible. You have to earn that shit. You can't just do yeah. it all the time because it'll just feel and like it just nothing. it loses its meaning. And it's yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, why are you sitting on the beach? Why aren't you like 
hanging out with your kids. And, right. And there's nothing. You, yeah. There's just nothing better than earning like a weekend when you fucking busted your ass all week. That when you can actually earn that Friday night or like earn that beer after a long day's or earn whatever. Yeah, it loses its value if you just have it, and and if you Absolutely. have it and nothing's out of reach because you can buy anything, it's literally like what is the point of living? nothing has value. Mm-hmm. Money yeah. can't buy happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, Lindsay texted me that last night, and she's exactly. I mean, it's so can't buy happiness. No, it's so crazy when yeah. he starts getting really drunk, and like you know, I feel like those pages kind of just like blend in together, just like, and it's the same way like when you know someone who's who's drinking or on drugs, and like did they everything just blends together, and like nothing makes any sense, and like you just don't, you nothing they say is worth has any value. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have a question. This is totally unrelated to uh, what we're talking about. I, I often find this in like old <laughs> books or descriptions of people swimming is they swim out to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Is it, like, there, a dock? Is like, it like a dock where they're sunning yeah. themselves? Out? Like is that a floating dock? Was it yeah, a floating dock? Is that, that more common in the 20s? Like a diving board. There's, there, oh, okay. Yeah, they're floating. Like in lakes, they're not so much in the ocean, but uh, there are floating docks, which okay. are put out like, you know, They're always swimming yards. out to stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You swim out yeah. in the ocean. There's, you don't, you no, swim out and back. Yeah. I don't know. Just there's, the, no, there's, no, like, hanging out and, there's no like hanging out and talking. Like, yeah. Because you're like tired. Yeah. You're yeah. You're treading thing, water. You're in sunning. The ocean. And then you're trying to swim back a short distance. I feel like that's a more like I've done that at camp. Like when I was in Boy Scout camp, yes. there was a floating. And that was cool to like go out there. Because that meant you could swim. Yeah. Right. And then you yeah. get to have like private secret conversations yeah. with people about the people back on shore. And you didn't have a buddy. Did you have a buddy? Uh, buddy system. Yeah, definitely, right? When I yeah, when I was learning to, to swim, yeah. I remember having those little chips, and you put them on a, a thing that have like a little hole in them. No, huh? I don't know. But then you swim out and grab it and like, take so it back. People to would, prove so that... the counselors would know that you were out with a certain person. With a buddy. Oh, yeah. I just oh, remembering yes, this yes. chart with like little things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, God, I remember that too. Yeah. 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 That's small those circles, right? Yeah. Yes. And when you, when you got into the water, you took it off, so the lifeguard knew who was in the water and who wasn't. And when you came back, you put it on. So, but would you have to hold that thing, the chip, the whole time? No, you would just take it off and put it like in a pail. Oh, okay. So the board, oh. so the the the, the uh, lifeguard could look at the board <laughs> and know that no one drowned. You, exactly. You drowned because you're holding the chip. You're yeah. like, I can't move I can't my hand. Paddle. This chip is getting in the way. I, yeah, I can't push the water. Uh, don't use a chip as a paddle. I think that's what we want to <laughs> talk a, about. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna finish up. This <laughs> book is. Um, we, I truly could talk about this book all day. Um, do you guys have any closing thoughts about what you, how you, uh, yeah, Lindsay? See, there's just this one line if, on page 82. It says, let people come to you. And mm. I love that so much. What is that? In res- do, who, no, I don't even know who's saying it, but matter. I just feel like in life, it's like, I just feel like I sometimes like run after things that like, I'm not getting back what I'm putting in at all. And it's like, just let, if, if they want to come to you, they will. Fuck Yeah. Yeah, that was a mistake, she said with frosty humor. After begging me to come and see her, she gave me a good snubbing. She looked at me as if I were rotted. Excited, she did a little laugh as with two fingers high in the scales. Let people come to you. Mm. What about you, Susanna? What did you take um, from this book? I had highlighted this and I didn't, I don't think that I really, oh, I wrote metaphor for Dick's attitude about his life. Uh, anyway, so the 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 passage that I highlighted here was, um, you do the unexpected thing until you've maneuvered the audience back from the objective fact to yourself. Then you slide into character again, which seemed. Well, that was his acting advice, right? Yeah. And that was the thing that set Nicole off finally of like, we're like, yeah, screw you. This. Yeah. And I, and You're giving acting it, advice. It, yeah. It, it, right. That just resonated with me. Uh, sort of it applied to so many different things in the book. You yeah. Know? Absolutely. And it's like, you know, you kind of, for Dick, it was like, 
I don't know, just in the context of his narcissism and like the way that you have to constantly kind of, whether it's a byproduct of being an alcoholic or just the way that he knows to get love and attention, it's just kind of constantly be unpredictable. And ultimately it's about manipulating people back into you being the center of the universe for yeah, him. Right. And then at the end he like loses that ability and he doesn't have anything. So he has to move to Utica or wherever. Yeah. A Swigo, <laughs> I think. In. No. Yeah. Mike, uh, what did you think? I just I thought that it was just so fascinating how these major things were happening in their lives that were then never talked about again, never mentioned again. They they covered up a murder scene. Oh, like, yeah, we oh right, yes. they covered yeah, up a murder, murder about scene. The quote unquote Negroes right, who got right. into a, uh, a yeah. Oh my god! I thought god. Nicole did that. I, I that the whole time I was like, oh, oh I feel like her craziness like just like. She oh yes, murdered I him. thought that too. Like, and then it never came up again. I was yeah, like, and I was oh, like, oh, I guess, I, guess I was like thinking too deeply. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. And I, I thought that that was just so resonant in that. Like, I felt like he was like that with his kids. He was like with the murder. It's like just thrown away. Yeah, just like, thrown away. They didn't even yeah. get back together. There was no whispered like, remember when we covered yeah. up that murder scene <laughs> four years ago? <laughs> they didn't like all meet back together and have like a secret pact to never like, talk you about guys it. Fucking believe this? Yeah, yeah. They didn't yeah. even care. That's another. Even book. the what fact that we don't really know. Even the fact that we forgot about it. Yeah. For yeah, the yeah. hour and a half yeah. of this. Right. We went whatever. into his narcissism. We, we really went, fell into his narcissistic told that we narcissism. forgot yeah. that. He was just trying to protect Rosemary and like, oh, this would be bad for her career if she right. found that like Right. Because the Arbuckle case is fresh in the newspapers. So I mean yeah. that was that jumped out at me. Oh yeah. Um I I this book I I I want to say thank you first and foremost to Mike and Susanna and Lindsay. This was not an easy book to read. It's a beautiful book, but it's not easy. And uh, as far as all the books that we've read in the book club, this was certainly the most difficult to get through. And even though it's wonderful and has so, it's so fucking rich, it's not easy. That's really good and to hear. That no, makes me feel well, better about yeah, myself. Suzanne, so you said it, it requires close reading. You, yeah. re you have to have a fucking pencil in your hand and really take your time. You can't rush through anything because all this is very deliberate. Every word, every piece of punctuation is there for a specific reason. And the language is dated, and uh, some of the behavior is dated, and the points of view, and the racism, and the sexism. But um, but if you spent the time and put in the effort, you're you get a return on that investment. I think this yeah. this is a beautiful. Yeah. I so appreciate you asking us to because I would have. I mean, not in a million years, I would have never ever no. ever read no this same. Book. Yeah, no, I mean, because no. it's not even the one of the top F. Scott Fitzgerald books exactly. that you would read if you're you know right. Yeah. Exactly, or, it's know. not a book that you would be yeah. that you'd be drawn to. So thank you guys thank so, you so much. much. Hey, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. So glad that you guys came and did this. Um, next book club for my listeners. Um, big change. We're doing a uh, a one eighty. We are going to read. Toni Morrison's newest novel, God Help the Child, just came out this week. It's brand new. Uh, she wrote Beloved, Song of Solomon, Home, uh, Mercy. She won a Pulitzer Prize. Um, she is spectacular. Uh, so her newest book, which is getting insane reviews, is called God Help the Child. Go pick it up at your local bookstore and join us next month for another book club. Um, also, the next live show, which will be starring Lindsay Craft, is Sunday, May 10th at 7.30 p.m. at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Mike still knows the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. I do not. Uh, he's <laughs> never heard of it. Please come out. It's five bucks. We have another spectacular list of readers. Jason Manzoukas, uh, John Daly, uh, Lindsay, uh, Mike Rock. Really fantastic people, so please come and join us. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week with more Reading Aloud. 
Wolfpop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.